Amen. Woo! Okay, you can be seated. Thank you, Manu and the worship team for leading us in spirit-filled worship. Powerful. Thank you, team. That was amazing. I feel like y'all threw me the alley-oop. Now I just got to, I just got to, you know, that was a good pass right there. Praise the Lord. We have been in Deepin, this conference that the Lord really birthed in my heart a while back, and I felt like it would only be right to continue it today. Uh, the past two days, we've heard really great sermons. We're going to be putting them online. Pastor Ed Paz from Oakland came down and just really challenged us in deep ways. Pastor Paul last night challenged us to go deeper in our boldness for Jesus and to move past the surface. We've been talking about going deeper uh, in our prayer life with 21 days of prayer and fasting and 24 hours of prayer and our first Wednesday prayer and our, all of that. And, and we talked about going deeper in the word and and really pressing in, but I really sense God put a, a topic on my heart, a, a subject, a sermon title, if you would, that I really would like for us to lean into this morning when it comes to moving past the surface, and I titled this message, Deepen Through Community, Deepen Through Community, and to ask this question, what does it look like this year for me to go deeper in my community? What does it look like for me to move past the surfaceable boundaries that too often we create in our community, the people that God has placed in our lives. And I felt like the Lord took me to a place in Mark chapter 2, the gospel of Mark chapter 2, which is where we will land today and be working out of. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to jump into this message today. If you're in need of a Bible, we do have Bibles available for you. You can show up to our Today I Decided tent right after the service, and you can say, Today I Decided I'm ready to receive a Bible. And we'd love to bless you with one because we really believe this word is living and active and powerful for us today. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. let's eat. Let's eat. Father, before we eat from your word right now, speak to us, Lord. Help us to know that you are near through the preaching of your word. We really do need a word from the word. That we're not here to play around. We want to go deeper with you today. So bless this message out of the gospel of Mark. Help us to see the gospel clearer and help us to know whatever our next step is through this time today. Holy Spirit, lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the text says, when he, talking about Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. When they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Can I get an amen? Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I love this right here. It says, immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, 
pick up your bed and go home. And he rose, immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Can I just go ahead and confess something to you this morning? My prayer this year is that you would go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, which leads to going deeper in your relationship and community, and the people in your life will start to say, we have never seen anything like this. I really believe that if our church grabs a hold of what we've been praying for, if our church goes deeper with Christ this year, people are going to say, man, that walk church, I've never seen anything like this. I pray that that would be the narrative of our church, not in a bad way, but in a good way, that people would say, man, I've never seen anything like this before. There's real faith in this place. There's real community in this place. It's not serviceable Christianity here. It's not self-help Christianity here. This is gospel preaching, Jesus-believing, radical faith Christianity here at Walk Church in Schofield Middle School today. Amen? Amen. I want to see that happen. We've, we've never seen, we've, never, seen, we've never, never saw anything like this. We've seen a lot of expressions of church. We've seen a lot of different things before. I don't, I don't think I've seen anything like this. That's my prayer for Walk Church. So let's go ahead and take this apart, kind of, Piece by piece. Let's look at the first three verses in the text. It says that when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. I just want to highlight that for a moment because I want to give us some context of where we are around today. What's happening right now in this scripture is that Jesus has returned back to Capernaum. Somebody has let him into their home most scholars believe it was in Peter's house. Peter was married. His mother-in-law was there. Jesus would go there from time to time, and they would hang out together. This could have been maybe his mother Mary's home, but we don't quite know which home it was. She most likely didn't live in Capernaum. So they're there. Jesus is in a home. Now, in Mark chapter 1, you can see all types of activity. If you ever just need a strong Bible study and want to see Jesus in action, read Mark 1. All four Gospels are very good, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the Gospel of Mark I really like because I don't have that great of attention span, right? So Matthew's 28 chapters. The Gospel of Matthew is written by a Jewish man who is writing to a primarily Jewish audience. So that's why you see a lot of prophetic things fulfilled in the Gospel of Matthew, specifically coming out of the Old Testament. The Gospel of Luke is written by a man named Luke who was a doctor, scholar, physician. He was not an eyewitness of Jesus, but he chose to interview all the eyewitnesses of Jesus so that he could compile the most orderly account of Jesus' life. Praise God for Luke's Gospel. It's 24 chapters. Then we have the Gospel of John, which is a little bit unique compared to all those. It's 21 chapters, and John identifies himself as the, 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 the disciple that Jesus loved. So he had this tight, close friendship with Jesus, and he says, I want to tell your story, Jesus. John writes a gospel. Now, Mark is only 16 chapters. Mark is the Sports Center top 10 highlight of Jesus' life, all right? Mark's like, look, man, I'm cutting out all the fluff. I just want to see Jesus in action. Bang, gospel of Mark, all right? 16 chapters. Now, what happens in Mark chapter 1, toward the end, Jesus is already shaking it up, right? He's going from city, he's going from towns, he's talking to people, sinful people, he's healing people, praying over people. One man that he heals, he speaks to him at the end of Mark 1, and he says, listen, man, this is the Haydn translation, all right? He says, listen, bro, I just healed you, but I got a few more stops to make, and I got more people that I want to see. 
So I need you to keep it low key. Don't go tell anybody. Go do your priestly duty. Show the priest. Say, look, Jesus made me clean. Give a testimony of what God did in your life. But for now, just keep it a little bit low key because I'm trying to go over there. But if you get too loud, I'm not going to go over there. A lot of people are going to come around. They're going to slow me down. And this brother gets healed. and Yo, check me out. He couldn't contain it. I'm not mad at him. I probably would have done the same thing. But, in fact, he slowed down Jesus' ministry. Mark chapter 1 says, and Jesus could no longer go to any more towns, so he came, he came home. And, and, and so, come on, man, listen to Jesus. I think that's the, just the first sub-point of the sermon. If Jesus tells you to do something, even if it doesn't make sense to you, do it anyway. Amen. If Jesus is like, look, man, right now is not the moment to speak, just trust him. It's one of my issues. Jesus is like, I'll be like, ooh, I, I want to jump in. And Jesus is like, not right now. And I'm like, dang, why not? Just trust me. And a lot of times I see later, oh, that, that was why. But this was a moment where Jesus said to do something, and it, it, sometimes it, you just don't understand it. Why would Jesus tell me not to do that there? It makes sense. Like in Mark chapter 5, when Jesus healed the demon-possessed man, and the demon-possessed man goes, I know, then my next step is to join you, Jesus. I'm on the team. Let's go on the boat. Let's go. And Jesus said, that's not your call. That's their call. I'm calling you to go back to your house and to your home and to your friends and tell them about what I just did for you. Everybody has a different call. Amen. You just got to walk your call. And don't compare your call to somebody else's call. Right? You know, like, everybody's got their own call. That, that, that was one of the verses that God spoke to me for my call. But whatever it is, if you sense Jesus telling you to do something, I would just encourage you to do it. So he doesn't do it here. Jesus ends up going back to Capernaum, and he goes into this house, and now the buzz in the narrative around Jesus is hype. There's a lot of people that want to see him. He returned to Capernaum after days. It was reported. Someone, someone, someone tweeted, somebody posted, Jesus is home. Here's the address. Many were gathered together. How many? Well, there was no more room, not even at the door. So this is beyond standing room only. It's flooding out of the door. People can't get in. At best, people are trying to, can I just see Jesus? I move out the way. I'm trying to get in. There's no more room. I love it. It says that Jesus was there preaching the word to them, and they came. Can I just highlight this really quick? He was preaching the word to them, and they came. I want to give you the first point on how to find deep, deeper community. The first point on how you find deeper community is you got to find friends. you gotta have, you got to find friends that are willing to sit under the word. This is not a super outlandish, glamorous point, but this point will save your life. Find friends that say, hey, I want you to come to church with me. In fact, I want you to sit with me. I want, to, I want you to sit under God's word with me. There's something about the preaching of God's word, the foolishness of the preaching of God's word f through flawed people like myself that God uses it to shape us and sharpen us and grow us and convict us and save us and change us. Sit under the word. If you have friends that say, look, I'm your homie, I'm your friend, but I'm unwilling to sit under the word of God with you, it's often likely that those will be the people that hold you back, they don't propel you forward, and that the relationship will remain surfaceable. It will stay around things that aren't really that important. You might have deep conversation about the sports game, but that's not what they're talking about in heaven. <laughs> you, you might have deep conversation about other stuff, 
But when it comes to the things that matter, it will remain surfaceable. And so I think the thing that I love about this first part is, one, the scripture says, let's pull it back up. We'll highlight it. It says that Jesus was preaching the word. Jesus was not preaching fairy tales. This was not story time with Jesus. This is not self-help book day with Jesus. This is not I want your best life now with Jesus. This is not a pat on the back with Jesus. This right here is the word. I want to encourage you to find a church, and I hope it's this one, that preaches the word. God says, I'm preaching the word. Jesus says, I am the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And Jesus is delivering the word. I want to encourage you, go deeper in the word. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word is living. What other book is described as living? No other book is alive. This book is breathing. This book is living. Another text says it's living and active. This book is dangerous. If you get so close to this book, it might activate you. Might, might, might. Might, you, might get, you might get activated. You might be like, I just got activated. I just, I just, you know, I just, I just turned on, like, like Iron Man, like activate, you know, like that's what this book will do. I love that Jesus is not doing anything outside of what he's called to do. He's preaching the word, preaching the word. At any point, hear me, record this, write it down. At any point that you come to Walk Church and we don't preach the word, find another church. Do it, help yourself. Preach the word. Paul writes to Timothy, this young protege church planner. He says, dear Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. What does that mean? Always. There's no season that you don't do it. So we really believe in the word, and I love that it says they came. Who is they? This is the type of community that you need. The they. We don't necessarily know their name, but we do know what they did. They said, we're going to sit under the word. They came. I'm so glad that you came this morning. I'm so glad that you said, I'm coming this morning, and I'm going to sit under the word. But here's another beautiful principle about this passage. They didn't come alone. It says, they came bringing. Everybody say bringing. Bringing, bringing to Jesus a paralytic carried by four men. The first thing that you need, if you want to go deeper in your community, the first thing you need is you need friends that are willing to sit under God's word with you. The second thing that you need, if I can put this point on the screen, is that you need friends that will carry you when you're paralyzed. Amen? I just, I really believe that this point is true. You need some people in your life that you've allowed closeness to know when you're paralyzed. Now, now in this text right here, he was actually physically paralyzed. And we want to be sympathetic to that, and that's real. And this is a text for people that are actually paralyzed. But there's also a spiritual paralyzed too. I don't know if you've ever been just spiritually paralytic. Anybody? Man, I'm glad I'm not alone in this place. There's been times where I just feel like I just, I'm just not moved to read the Word. I'm not moved to read the Bible. There's been times I'm just not, I don't want to see anybody this Sunday. I just don't feel like going. I, I don't think I'm going to go. 
it's already too late. I'm going to hit the snooze one more time. In fact, I'm going to schedule something in place so I have a reason when I'm asked. Paralyzed. But you need friends to say, let me carry you then. I know that you're spiritually paralyzed. I know that you're broken. You're not in a position or a place spiritually or mentally or even physically right now to go meet Jesus and sit under his preaching. But guess what? I'm going to carry you anyway. That's what I love about this is an anomaly right here. This is different. This is different type of friendship. I'm, I'm challenged by this level of community. But again, this is the deepened conference. I want us to go deeper. Like I want 2020 to be the year of deeper. We're talking about family. Let's go deeper beyond the surface with family. He says, you got to find friends that are willing to carry you when you're paralyzed. I've noticed that when I'm at my best, it seems like people like to hang men. Especially when you get paid. Amen? Somebody? Right? Like Proverbs says, that's when all the friends come out. Friends. Hey, let's go do something. Come on. Are you paying? Right? Right? There's, there's that mentality. But this right here is there's nothing attractive about this situation other than the fact that he's paralyzed and Jesus is our only hope. And they say, man, we're going to carry you, bro. I, I would imagine that he was like, no. Or maybe he was like, yes, but either way, it's going to be tough, right? It says that four men, one on each side. I'm going to get this left side. You get this right side. You get the front side, and let's just lift them up. Let's lift them up, and we're going to take them in. We're going to take them in. <laughs> let's see what happens next. It's beautiful, right? Mark chapter 2, the text continues. It says that, they carried him by four men. Verse 4 says, when they could not get near him because of the crowd. Oh, man, this is about to be great. This is about to be gangster right here. Go ahead and go ahead and read ahead right now. Just get it stirred up. When they could not get near him, they said, man, we gave it a good shot. Let's turn around. No? They said, you know what? How you feeling? You want to, should we, let's just. Should we ask people to move? Out? No. Come on, man. Like, I, I, if I was the paralyzed man, I would probably be like, look, guys, man, I really appreciate it. Like, a whole lot, man. This was, this was love. Like, y'all really carried me here. Like, there was no Uber. There was no, like, stretch SUV to get this person in. They carried this paralyzed man all the way to this house, all to see that it was no way they could get in. I'm thinking, man, that was awesome. Like, let's... You know, let's go to Chick-fil-A or something, bro. Like, just carry me there, man. At least we can get some food. But it was Sunday, all right? It wasn't open. And they said, somebody had so much faith that he said, I got an idea. And I wonder if the other goes, what's your idea, man? It's, you can't even get to the door. You can't even see. Like, we can kind of hear remnants of Jesus' voice, but I, we can't. It's too crowded. Someone said, I got an idea. Let's take the roof off. Man, this is deeper right here. This is past the surface. I, I'm just imagine. I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to put myself in the text that somebody has a bad idea, bro. We don't even know this person's house. We can't just go, we can't just tear the roof off, bro. 
I, I wonder if he's like, man, this is our moment, bro. Jesus is in here. I did not carry him all the way. Or maybe the paralyzed man was like, yo, we ain't going back. Get me in the house. Either way, I see faith. Whether it was the paralyzed man's faith or the friend's faith. But I really think there has a lot to do with these four friends. You don't need a ton of friends. What if you just got four that's willing to carry you to sit under the word when you don't want to, when you can't move? They, they could not get in. They tried to get near. Let me get near. Help me know you are near. I can't get in. Well, let's remove the roof above him. The third group of friends that you need are ones that are willing to sit under the word, right? Are ones that are willing to carry you when you're paralyzed and ones that are not going to take no for an answer. Get some people around you that are so unimpressed with you that they're not going to take no for an answer. You don't need yes men. If these were yes men, maybe the paralyzed man said, yeah, take me back. It's all good. And they would have said, all right. They said, no, nah, bro, we're going to take the roof off. I wonder if he was like, how are you going to get me on the roof? How They're like, bro, all right, so scholars believe that these houses would have these ladders on the side because you would need to get up there to even make it, and you have to repair things. These weren't super great roofs that we have necessarily maybe in our generation, but they would have a lot of sticks and clay and hay and, and dirt and dust, and all of that would get molded together to make this secure roof. It was not an easy contraction to make. It, it was very, very, very in, it, intricate in order to get it to where it is. And you'd have to climb up there to make this type of roof. And they said, we're going to climb it. And we're going to turn you sideways. We're going to lift you up, bro. He probably was like, man, this, don't hurt me. I'm already hurt enough. I wonder if while they were climbing, they were like, all right, look, this is a bad idea. People are looking at us what if Jesus finds out it's messy, it's embarrassing, and then they get up on the roof? Now, watch this. I mean, imagine, it's, it's a similar situation like this, and you're sitting here. Just imagine you're sitting right here in, like, one of these lights, like, no, maybe that's too much. Maybe some, like, dirt just, like, trickles on you real quick, and you're like, I think something just fell on me. Nah, nah. And then all of a sudden, a big old, like, rock and sand just, and everybody looks up, like, something's happening on the roof. And these dudes, this isn't a little hole. This is a whole man. And a bed. They've got tools up there. They got, they're making a, a hole in the roof. Can you imagine the owner of the house? What are y'all doing? Come on, Jesus. Um, if you invite Jesus in, just be prepared. He's going to shake some stuff up. Your house might look different the next day if you invite Jesus in. Don't worry about it. Jesus. Like, don't worry about your house. Wow. I got you. I'm here. God is here. I'm going to take care of that. I mean, Jesus, might, he, I don't know. He might have just, like, you know, like, just fixed it real quick, right? But, but it says that they, low, they didn't take no for an answer. Find friends that say, look, man. I'm taking you anyway, bro. Now, obviously, we're not, we're not going to burden somebody to the point where it, it, it becomes abusive or, you know, we're not called necessarily to be babysitters either. However, they said, we love you enough, paralyzed man, to even make a hole in the roof. Pray. 
Pray for friends like that. You might not have friends like that right now. You might not. Majority of us probably don't. Friendship like this is hard to find anywhere. But I want to just encourage us to start praying for that. I think at the very minimum, this is not the solution all in all, but at the very minimum, start by getting in a group. If you need friends that are actually friends, find a group because you know at least in the group we're going to sit under the word. At least in a group we're going to get around some people that love Jesus together. At least in a group you might find somebody that might carry you to church. I mean, we've seen that happen in our groups. We've seen people make connections. Someone says, I need a ride, and people have gotten carried in a car to church. And I would encourage you to get yourself in a group. We have a lot of them. Ours meets on Wednesday, and I would say don't allow any other voices to creep in and, and, and push you outside of being in community that you're called to be in. Let me give you some principles on why it's important. Proverbs 13 says it like this. He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I've found this to be true in my life. Sometimes I talk to people, and immediately what comes out of their mouth is how hurt they are. I'm not trying to not be sympathetic. That's a very real position to be in, and I want to lean in and listen it. But after the, the pattern becomes, I'm always hurt, I'm always offended, I'm always hurt, it's always everybody else's fault, it's always hurt. You know what sometimes I start saying? Who are you hanging out with? It says the companion of fools will suffer harm. Like, yo, if you don't change your friends, you're going to be hurt again. But whoever walks with the wise, all of a sudden I'm getting wiser. I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. I feel like I got wisdom to bring. Because of who I'm with. A.W. Tozer, the famous scholar and theologian, wrote on the attributes of God. He wrote a book called The Holiness of God. And in his book, he says, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. In other words, let me see your top five friends, and I'll tell you what your next five years will look like. So just show them. Let me see. Okay, I'll see where you're, I can see where you're going. Because the book says that he who walks with the wise, you're just going to keep getting wiser, you're going to keep getting better, or you're just going to keep getting harmed more and more. If you're always getting harmed, ask yourself, who am, I, who am I companions with? Who am I compadres with? Who's my circle, my tight-knit group? Find yourself some people that are going to sit under the word with you, that are, that are not going to take no for an answer, that are going to say, you know what, let's do this together. I'm going to carry you even though you're paralyzed. We'll figure out how to carry you. Even if it costs me money, if it costs me time, if it costs me energy, I'm going to carry you. That's these men. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he takes this principle a step further. He says it like this. He says, do not be deceived. Look at the person next to you and say, friend, don't be deceived. Come on, tell to the other side too and say, you're second. But I love you. And, and, and I don't want you to be deceived. I, I don't want you to be deceived. Don't be deceived, okay? Bad company ruins good morals. So watch this. Sometimes, I'm just going in, I'm being transparent with you. It's deep in, okay? Sometimes, in my head, I don't say it out loud. I just say it in my head and my heart. I'm just like, man, you got really bad morals. 
I'll be at times around somebody or around a group of people, not necessarily even believers at times, and I'll just think, man, your morals are off. What's good with your morals? They're bad. And you know what I started to realize? It's because you've got bad company. That, that bad company ruins good morals. That means that at one time you may have had good morals. I mean, there's people that come to church on Sunday, and they got their morality up. They're ready to do good. And then once they leave, they go back to bad company, and it all goes away. Like, I mean, I'm going to do it right this week. I got good company. And, and, then, and, then, and then you walk out of here, and you surround yourself right back with the same group. And you don't go deeper. You go backwards. How many of you know that God doesn't want you to go backwards? God didn't save you to go backwards. God didn't save you to sideline you. God saved you for you to go deeper in your relationship with him, to move past the surface, and that maybe today you might be the friend that somebody else here needs. Because maybe you're thinking right now, man, I, I need to get some of these friends. And maybe some of you might be thinking, man, you're that friend. Can you be that for me? I don't, I don't need you to coddle me. I don't need you to pamper me. I need you to carry me. Carry me to Jesus. Bad company ruins good morals. If you hang around all people that have bad company, your morality is never going to be at the place that Jesus wants it to be. You're always going to have tension and struggle at being the person you're called to be. But I'll tell you what, if you walk with people that got wisdom, it's going to follow you too. Amen? You got all that? All right, let's finish this up. It says, they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Verse 5. Let's look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Can I just highlight a specific part of this scripture real quick? I want to highlight this word there. That when Jesus saw their faith, did you catch it? I, I, I had never saw it that way before. I mean, I think internally I thought it said, and Jesus saw his faith. But Jesus saw their faith. You, you need to get with some friends that will believe God for you. Get around some people that believe in Jesus that even when you fail to believe what you believe, that they'll believe for you. When you forget about the faith that you have, when you forget about the belief that you have in God, and and you once were there, you once knew it, you once believed it, you once trusted it, you once had dreams and passion and vision for God, and somewhere along the journey you just got beat down with the world and temptation, and you gave up on it, get some friends that will still believe it for you. Get some friends that say, I still believe in the calling you have on your life. I still believe God's going to make it happen. I still believe that God's going to do it for you. He doesn't even believe Jesus, but I believe that you can heal him, and so heal him anyway. Jesus saw their faith. Jesus says, I I see faith. I I really feel like Jesus, he's mid-sermon. He's preaching. All of a sudden, the hole's in the roof. They lower this guy down. Somehow they built a contraption. They lowered, they, they lowered him down. And everybody stopped in awe and said, wow. And Jesus, I just, I just picked, this is how I picture Jesus. I picture him and he, he's like. Yeah. 
I like this faith. I like this type of faith. I wonder if Jesus changed his sermon at that point and says, these dudes have real faith. Jesus saw their faith. Faith is something you can't see. But Jesus can. Do you have faith that Jesus can see? That's the question you got to ask. Is my faith so deep that even Jesus can see it? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. The fourth, fourth and final point of this message is you got to find some friends that have real faith. Not phony faith. Not fake faith. Real faith. I mean, the friends that say, hey, let's go to a charge group tonight. And the ones that say, let's go to another one tomorrow night. <laughs> the ones that say, let's go to church. Let's sit in the front row. And let's, let's serve at church too. I got faith. Let's get in on something. Let's go, let's go talk to somebody about Jesus. The ones that say, hey, look, I got real faith. I know people. Some have real faith and some have average faith, phony faith. I don't really know faith. Lazy faith. I, I mean, lazy faith, right? The Barna Group study says that the faithful Christian these days goes to church on Sunday, once a month. And that's considered faithfulness. You're considered faithful if you show up at church for one hour once a month. You're considered faithful. That's the culture we live in today. You know what that's called? Lazy faith. God's saying, I'm trying to take you deeper. I have more for you. I really think there's church planters in the room. I think there's worship leaders in the room. I think there's pastors and leaders in this room. I think there's directors and coordinators and kingdom Leaders in this room, missionaries in this room, take the gospel to the nations in this room. But if you just stay lazy, you'll never develop into the calling God has for you. And really, does anything else matter? D.L. Moody once said, my biggest fear in life is of succeeding at things that don't matter. Is that everybody saw me as successful and it was really just a, a blimp. And it never really even mattered. I never changed anybody's life. One hymnal writer once said, there's only one life that will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. And I would encourage you to consider that when choosing your friends. Get around some people that will believe for you. This text finishes, it finishes up with these words. Jesus says, son, oh, what a word. We could spend a lot of time on that phrase, son. Look at verse 5 with me. Son, your sins are forgiven. Notice this, church. We're almost done. He doesn't say, son, you're healed. Get up and walk. I think Jesus realized it was more important that he healed him spiritually than physically. Come on, right? It was more important to Jesus that he wound up in heaven even if he never walked again. The issue wasn't healing. The issue was holiness. Son, your sins are forgiven. He showed up all that way. And the thing that he really needed was forgiveness. It was a spiritual need before ever it was a physical need. Now, I think that this is beautiful right here. It's so funny. It says that in verse 6, now some were, were throwing shade. Some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming, they said, right? 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? He can't forgive sins. And plus, he can't heal them either way, so he must not be doing anything real at all. And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned with themselves, which is scary, right? Jesus knows your heart. Everything you're thinking right this moment, Jesus is perceiving. Hmm, that's what's in your heart. Well, he says, let me answer your heart. Why do you question these things in your hearts? Why are you questioning God? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Basically, Jesus is saying, hey, what's easier to say? It's pretty easy to just say your sins are forgiven, even though that would be a dangerous line in this culture because only God can forgive sins. But they're saying, hey, you're not God because you can't forgive sins. So you're just talking. And Jesus says, okay, well, watch this. How about you take up your bed and walk? And, and, and I love in the next verse, in verse 10, it says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus validated his ability to forgive by complementing it with the healing of this man's paralyzed body. Jesus says, I got so much power to forgive sins because of his faith, I could even make him stand up if I want. Watch this. Just, to, just so you can know that I can do it, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise. Maybe God is telling somebody in here today, rise. Stop living in dysfunction with dysfunctional people. That's why you're dysfunctional. You need to get the right people in your life that are going to sit under the word, carry you to the word, not take no for an answer. Have real faith, and you'll start having that too. You'll start having that too. Pick, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. I love this right here. The paralyzed man, it says that he rose and immediately picked up his bed. He said, I got everything I need. I will see y'all later. Right? He was out of there. Amazing. He picked up his bed. Look, y'all, I've been waiting to pick up this bed all my life. I got it. I'm out. He said, this bed right here, I've just been laying on this bed. But I'm out. There's a famous scholar named Joni Eriks Tadison. And she, Joni says it like this. Um, she says, when I get to heaven, and, and, and she was also paralyzed, so she was in a wheelchair for the majority of her life, an amazing author and writer. She said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to look at Jesus, and I'm going to thank him for this chair. I'm going to walk because I'll be in heaven, but I hope my wheelchair goes with me so I can be like, hey, Jesus, Thank you for sending me this chair because it was because of this chair that I got to know you. It was because of this chair that I got to, I, got, I had lots of hours to pray. It was because of this chair that I went deeper in my walk with Christ. Thank you for this chair. And now you can send it to hell. <laughs> right? Reminds me of this story, right? Right? And I wonder if the paralyzed man said, Jesus, I believe, my friends believe. We were here to sit under the word, but you have forgiven me. You have healed me. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell somebody about you. Amen? That's the paralyzed man's story. He left changed, and, and so can you today. So can you today. The same Jesus that's in Mark 2 is at Walk Church right now. Let's pray. God, we thank you that that's true. We thank you that it's true. It's true, God. It's true in that, Lord, somebody needs to know that that's true. Dig a hole in the roof. True. This really happened. I want to talk to this person's house in heaven one day. How did you feel when the hole was in your roof? 
Just tell, take me into the living room that day when Jesus was preaching in Mark 2. I wish I could just be there. We are there right now. And Jesus is here right now. We're not asking him to show up. He's here. So Jesus, right now we ask you to speak to us all the more. If you're here today and you need to be forgiven of your sins, if you're not a son or a daughter of Christ, then you're an orphan that needs to be adopted. You're a child of Satan that needs to be transferred into the children of God. 1 John says every person that doesn't know Jesus is currently under the devil's stronghold. But today maybe you heard this word and you're ready to get up out of that company and you're ready to get saved. If you're here right now and you need to get saved, if you're here right now and you need to be changed, if you're here right now and you need to put your yes on the table and say, Jesus, I believe, I receive, I'm ready, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, would you just lift your hand right now? Just Jesus looking. There's people here that are making a decision, that are responding. Father, I pray for everybody responding right now. If you're ready to get saved right now, just pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, save me. I believe. I turn away from my sins and I turn to Christ. Forgive me, heal me, deliver me, fill me, save me. And he will. In Jesus' name. I want to pray one more prayer for some people in the room today. And right now I just want to pray for people here that, that you just know that you have the wrong friends in your life and you don't even know where to start to get new ones. I think you start with prayer. Ask God to help you and to connect you. If that's you right now and you just need to get these right type of four friends in your life, would you just lift your hand? I feel like I need more than, I need more of them in my life. I have some, but I need more of them. If you just need more of them, would you just lift your hands? Father God, I pray for everybody that has a hand up. They're just acknowledging in humility. They need more friends that go deeper. Help us to do it together in love. Holy Spirit, give everybody a high five that raised their hand and lock in with them. Help us along this walk. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, let's give it up one time for God moving in this place.